Well, hey, today is an auspicious occasion because we are finishing with the Gospel of Matthew. Yes, you're wondering if it would ever happen. 105 sermons later. That's a lot of sermons on a book. Yeah. And as uh, a lot of you know, I, uh, I, write, I write out my sermons. It's kind of a spiritual discipline for me, but it's also a way that kind of keeps me on track. And, uh, and then I save them, you know, they're on my computer somewhere. And as I was preparing for this week's sermon, I was kind of going through some stuff. And, and I had in this file of the Gospel of Matthew a sermon that, that said uh, Matthew 28. And so I looked into it to see what that sermon was about. And it was a sermon that was the very first sermon that I preached at IBCD. It was the sermon that I preached sometime in April of year of uh, 2011 when I was here. Uh, they call it In View of a Call, which is kind of a Christian-y Baptist way of saying auditioning and, uh, and coming and seeing if, uh, you know, this church would want me to be their pastor and if I would want to uh, come and be their pastor. And I thought it was interesting when I read through it that... Uh, because I think sometimes we forget, you know, kind of the journey we've been on. Like this Matthew has been a journey. So I was going to share with you today that sermon. And this, is the very, this will be the very first sermon that I ever preached at IBCD. And uh, I want to share it with you because I think it speaks a little bit to where we are today in some interesting ways. And just a reminder, back then, this is in 2011, uh, IBCD was a bit of a different place. Uh, it was an international church, but it wasn't as diversely uh, international as it is today. It was also a church that had gone through about three pastors in about five years. And, uh, it was, and so when I came, uh, to be honest with you, the church was a little cynical about the idea of, of hiring a pastor. Uh, one guy told me, I don't even see why we need to have a pastor. We've been fine without one for a long time. And, uh, and that was kind of an interesting way to, uh, to be introduced into the IBCD family. <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, you know, 11 years later, something took. So I'm going to kind of read through this a little bit more than, than preach through it because I wanted to uh, kind of, I don't know, I found it interesting, so I wanted to just share it with you, and maybe you find it, uh, will find it uh, inspiring and interesting as well to see where we are today and where we were hoping to be 11 years ago. So with that said, now the slides, by the way, aren't original. I didn't slave the, save the slides back in the day. And, uh, but I thought it was good that they're not original because it kind of, you'll see kind of like where we are and where we are uh, in the slides. So thank you for having me here today. And I know that a lot of you, this is the first time that you've ever met me. And uh, this is the first time I've, I've met a lot of you. Uh, you may know my name. I don't know most of your names. And I don't know the story that a lot of you have. But I do know that in spite of the fact that we come from very different backgrounds and we have different languages and different mother tongues, that you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because in Christ, we have a bond that is unique, and it surpasses culture. It surpasses language. It surpasses nationality. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, then I look forward to the day when we can say that you have realized God's deep, sacrificial love for you, and I can call you then my brother or my sister in Christ. But, you know, this idea of IBCD is an intriguing one to me because even though we come from different countries and we have different mother tongues and we have widely different experiences in our life, as I've mentioned, we have this bond. And it's the bond that I treasure. 
the bond between believers. And it's something that I've been privileged to be a part of, and my wife has been a part of, as we've lived uh, some of our lives in, in uh, Africa, in two different countries, as we've lived in the U.S., as I spent time in South America, and also, of course, during our time here, our visit here uh, to Germany. So as a family in Christ, I think it's important to understand how I see the church, because you're going to be voting uh, in this afternoon as to whether or not I'm going to be your pastor. And so I think it's important for you to know how I understand the church and, uh, and what, uh, you know, the vision I have of the church. And so first thing I want to say is the church is not a building, but rather it's a body of believers. The Greek word that we use for church is ekklesia. And the word ekklesia just means those who have been called out. And in the Greek, it sometimes, it's not always used as a religious thing in the Greek. In the Greek, it can mean anything. Called out from the community to form, a, to do uh, a specific task. Like to form a committee for the community to, to carry something out. Or even to be called out to defend the community. The word ekklesia, while it's not a religious word in the Greek, has become the word that we use for the church. And that's where the word ecclesiastics come from, or ecclesiology, the study of the church. So what we are as a church is we're a group that has been called out from the community, the community of humanity, to form a specific group for a specific purpose. And what that purpose is, is seen as Jesus called out his own disciples to say this to them. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he called two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets to follow him. So in this passage here, we see the specific purpose to which Jesus called his disciples. He specifically called them to be fishers of men. And notice that the call is simple that Jesus gives to his disciples. It's not complex. He doesn't give them a long mission statement, which is easily forgotten. He tells them something simple. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, come follow me and through the sanctification of your spiritual union with me, through both experience and obedience, you shall become the sacerdotal means through which the gospel of redemption and substitutionary atonement shall be shared so that human beings, both male and female, shall be buried with me, Christ, through baptism, so that as one dies to sin, we may also have the pre-tribulation millennial expectation of resurrected life in Jesus Christ. He doesn't say that. And now some of you are thinking, well, I thought my English was pretty good, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> but you know, that, that's okay, because a lot of English speakers of their, of their mother tongue wouldn't know what I just said. In fact, I'm not exactly sure what I just said. Because a lot of times the church tries to make things too complicated. And the simple truth is the simple mission, to be fishers of men. And it's important that as a church we understand our mission and the purpose of the church because if we give a confusing message to the world around us, then they're not going to listen for very long. That little bit that I shared with you, that paragraph, is 100% theology that most of you would agree with if you understood what I was saying. But when the message of the church is confused, people aren't going to listen. We need to understand what we're about so that we can share the truth of it. So for the church today, what is our mission? What is the church about? What should IBCD be about? Regardless of whether or not you call me as your pastor, 
the mission of the church remains the same. Well, let's start by answering that question by looking at what Jesus said about his own personal mission. What did Jesus say about his own reason for being here? And in Luke, it's pretty clear. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That's Jesus' mission, to seek and to save what was lost. Pretty straightforward, pretty clear. It's not a long, confusing statement. This is why Jesus is. This is why he came, to, to seek and to save what is lost. And then Jesus tells his disciples this in Matthew 28, verses 18, uh, 16 through 20. In the original sermon, I just went 18 through 20. But for the sake of being a completionist, uh, I want to go through the whole, all those scriptures because we've done the whole rest of the Gospel of Matthew. I don't want to leave out 16 and 17. So it says this. When the 11 disciples went to Galilee after the resurrection, this is coming up, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him though some doubted. I've always found that an interesting verse. I don't know how you can see the resurrected Christ and still doubt. But I've wondered this last week. This is, just, this is an aside now. This isn't from what I said. I wonder if this isn't Matthew's way of kind of uh, glancing over at Thomas's story because he doesn't mention anything about Thomas and the whole thing that Thomas went through. So I've, of, I've wondered this week because I've often kind of, what is this about? How can you doubt I'm thinking maybe this is just a glance, a quick glance that, that Matthew makes over to Thomas's story, though he doesn't really flesh the whole thing out. And of course, it makes it sound like it's all happening on the mountain, but that's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be that way. Truth is, I don't really know what he's talking about. Then verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, till the very end of the age. So from these passages, what is the mission of the church? If you were to look at this, what is the mission? There's our verse that we looked at. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what would we say our mission is? And we know what Jesus' mission is, to reach, to save that which was lost. And if we're the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head, his mission is also our mission. So how does this go together? Well, the mission is simple. Seek the lost and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. To seek the lost, to make disciples. Now, there might be some that want to say, well, seek the lost of what and make disciples of whom? But as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we know the answers to those questions, don't we? Now, as an aside, we found out, well, we do need to clarify that. So this is our mission statement now. Reach the nations with the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Because that assumption I later found out was, a, was just that, an assumption. So to be clear, this is now our mission statement that we share when we go through Discovery and IBCD, to reach the nations with the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It more directly comes out of that Matthew passage. But we don't want to overanalyze what our mission is because if we overanalyze things and make it complicated, then we become paralyzed. And the truth is, there's a lot of paralyzed churches in the world today. They're full of good people. They have the same Bible we have. But they've become paralyzed because they've forgotten the simplicity of Christ's mission for us. 
And they get focused on the wrong things. And they start to fight over things which don't matter at all. And in that paralysis, they sit. And they don't function as a living body fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus didn't go through a long explanation when he called Peter and Andrew. He just said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. There wasn't a whole lot they had to think about. He didn't tell them what kind of equipment they were going to use. He didn't tell them when they were going to fish. He just says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so the mission of the church is to seek the lost and to make disciples. So if someone were to ask you, why does IBCD exist? Why is this church here? You can say our mission is to seek the lost and to make disciples or to reach the nations with the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And if someone were to say, well, what about other churches? What is their mission? Every Christ-centered, Bible-believing church has the same mission. Every single one. Every, every Christ-centered, Bible-believing church in the continent of Africa, in the continent of Europe, in the continent of Asia, in the U.S., the continent of uh, you know, Australia, everywhere you go. Christ-centered, Bible-believing churches all have the same mission. To reach the world, to reach the nations with the gospel, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It doesn't change. So then the question is, well, then how do we fulfill that mission? And the fulfillment of the mission is where the unique nature of a church comes in. Everyone has the same mission. How they fulfill that mission is a unique application of, of every church body. Because churches are different. Every church is different. But they have the same mission. It's just like a football team has the mission to score goals. See, here I was trying to impress my European uh, folks by referring to soccer as football instead of the proper way of the American way. <laughs> so players have a unique talent to make the overall success, to, greet, to make the overall success of the mission. Not everyone's a striker, not everyone's a midfielder, not everyone's a goalie, but the mission is the same. And the church is the same way. We are a body, and we have one mission to fulfill together. And we are to all partic to participate in building that strong church body of Christ so that we can take our mission out into the world with courage and with clarity. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot about the church being a body in 1 Corinthians, which he said this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Then he goes on and he expands on that for a couple chapters, and then he says this, So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, trying to excel in gifts that build up the church, the body of Christ, the gifts and the talents God gives to every individual within the body of Christ is to be used to build up and strengthen the church so that the church can fulfill its mission with clarity, with courage, and with purpose. We are, we're not to build up, we're not to be part of the body of Christ just so we can have our own way and go into our own little spiritual walk that it causes disruption between us. We're to walk together. One mission, one body, different ways of expressing, though, the gifts and talents God has given us. 
So if IBCD is going to fulfill the mission of reaching the lost and making disciples, then we need to realize that we have to work together. No one is unimportant, and everyone has a role. Our gifting from the Lord, again, isn't to be used to build up our own egos. It's, to be, it's there to be used to build up the church. And there are some unique things about every church which allows it to be uniquely used by God in his mission. And IBCD is very unique. It has within it some amazing possibilities and potential to reach the world for Christ because so many people come from all over the world to IBCD. We have the possibility to grow disciples, men and women, and then have them go all over the world, taking with them whenever they leave this place to wherever they go, deep growth and spiritual maturity, which can then advance the kingdom of God in ways that we will be unaware of, but God will know. And one of the reasons my wife and I would love to be part of IBCD and to be privileged to be part of IBCD is because of this unique potential that we see. But it's not something I can do alone. When you call someone to be a pastor, be it me or be it someone else, you're not calling someone to do everything for the church. And if you think of it in musical terms, the pastor is like the conductor. He's not the whole orchestra. And in fact, the pastor may not be the most talented person in the, in the room when it comes to the orchestra. There may be a star flautist or an amazing violinist, but the conductor's job is to keep the orchestra on track and on the right tune. And even with that said, the pastor may not even be the most spiritual person in the church, depending on how one wants to define spiritual. He may not be the most gifted in every way, but it is his place to guide the church, to help the church fulfill its mission, to help you, who God has brought to this church body, to express your gifts and talents in order to build up the kingdom of God in the context of IBCD, to help you reach those potentials. So whatever is decided today, I want to leave you with knowing what your mission is. Because your mission as a church here is the same regardless of who you call to be pastor. This church has the mission of seeking the lost and making disciples. And may you be willing to grow in that discipleship. To grow and to reach out to the lost. So that they can come and know Christ. And they can also grow and reach out to their friends and family who don't know Christ and make disciples of them so they can come and know Christ. And so then this church will fulfill the mission faithfully that Christ has called it to until he returns. At that point, I said, amen. And I thought it was interesting to go through this. I don't, you know, if, if you've been here for a while, I know some of you, I know Lee was here during that sermon because she asked a question afterward. And, uh, and wanted to know a question about Baptists. I'm pretty sure Jochen was there and the Arnolds. But other than that, pretty much that's uh, it was a, uh, it was a whole different crowd. But the mission is the same. And I don't know about you, but I, I found personally in reading back through this, sometimes you know how we just kind of get going and, you know, life is just putting one foot in front of the other and we're just kind of grinding through and you sort of lose kind of, the perspective of why you're doing what you're doing. And for me, this was a refreshing time to look and to say, you know what? We have stayed on task. 
We haven't just kind of gotten lost or diverted. I mean, if you've been here over the last 11 years, there's been some serious ups and there's been downs and there's been going all over the place sometimes. But at the end of the day, we're still a church that understands that its mission is to reach the nations with the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I was also surprised, pleasantly surprised, to see that the church has become more of what the vision was, this international church with people from all over the world who can come and to can grow and contribute here, but not just to contribute here, but then to take what is learned, those that kind of cycle through into other places around the world. And I found it refreshing to my soul because sometimes just like you, you know, you can just kind of get going along and you're just doing, like I say, one foot in front of the other, get a little burnt out, kind of lose a sense of what you're doing this for. Are you doing anything more than just fulfilling the expectation of speaking from the pulpit? Are you doing anything more than just fulfilling the expectation of, you know, doing counseling or whatever it is I do throughout the week? And to remember there is something more. And there's something more for all of us. And I want to thank everyone that's been part of this journey as we finish up the Gospel of Matthew. Kind of as we end that Gospel, also kind of looking back as to where we've come in the last over a decade. And I couldn't have done this without so many of you. And some of you are here. Some of those folks uh, were here and they've moved on. Some have moved back to their own countries. Some have moved on for different reasons. But there have been so many people who've been a part of IBCD fulfilling its mission. And I appreciate it very much, all the parts that you've played. Those of you who've been here the whole time I've been here and before. Those of you who have been here just fairly recently, how you've all taken up your part and to carry the gospel forward into the world as we seek to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. And let's pray with some celebration, a prayer of thanks for what God has done. Father God, we thank you so much for what you've done. Lord, uh, I think all of us who have been part of the church for a while can oftentimes look back at it and kind of wonder, why are we doing this? And while we know, Lord God, that it's really, it's because of you, sometimes, you know, it's easy to forget what you wanted from us. And we look at ourselves and we think about what we want from us, how we want things to be, what we want to do. And Lord, I just want to thank you for giving us clarity in your word as to what we're supposed to be about. So that when we become confused or when we wonder where to put our energy and our resources and our time and our talents and our finances and all these things that we have that we're responsible to be good stewards of, that you've made it pretty clear that we're to go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that you've commanded us. And then you promise us if we stay with that mission, then we will be walking right beside you because that's your desire for us. And you'll be with us always till the end of the age. Lord, as we uh, come to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. We thank you for the journey that you've allowed us to go through. Father, we pray that you will help us to grow closer to you as individuals and as a church. And Lord, may we glorify you. And as the world goes in its direction that you've warned us already is going to be kind of nuts. May we be like that lighthouse or that house built upon the rock in the midst of a storm, that we will not be moved, that we will shine the light, 
that we will be people of hope. We'll be people of truth as we take your gospel into the world. The only thing through which men are saved and women are saved, the only message that carries their souls from this life into eternity safely, the message that you died for us upon a cross. You bore our sins. But you didn't just die, you rose again. The victor over sin and death. To vindicate everything you said about yourself and to allow us to trust you and to walk with you. And we thank you for the brothers and sisters that have gone ahead of us, who have carried the message faithfully over the generations, starting with your first apostles and disciples and carrying on down through the ages. And though there have been times when sin infiltrated the church and tried to destroy it, your spirit kept her safe. And we thank you for that. And we pray this for IBCD. We know that we're a fallen people. We know that none of us come into this place sinless. But we pray that your spirit will continue to guide us, protect us, and keep our eyes on you as we seek to, as we seek to make disciples of Jesus Christ and reach the nations with the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.